welcome back to the podcast positivity show coming up we're going to talk about how to defeat discouragement in your life we're also going to jump into the subject of why did eve sin eve the first woman on earth in the book of genesis all that coming up stay tuned Thank you for joining me again right here on the podcast positivity show i just love when you fellowship with me and we get into god's word together and learn a few things you know hopefully your week is going awesome and hopefully uh you're having a great day today hopefully you've said your affirmations and you are declaring victory over all of the attacks of the enemy so today our topic is going to be on How can we defeat discouragement in our lives? Are we holding fast to the confession of our hope? We've got some notes from activechristianity.org to help us with our message topic today. Let's jump on into the reading of the word of God. Hold unshakably fast. It is very easy for us people to get discouraged after falling in sin again and again. A life of complete purity can seem impossible to attain, but it isn't God's intention that we become discouraged. On the contrary, the author of Hebrews writes, let us hold unshakably fast the confession of our hope, for he is faithful who promised. Hebrews 10 and 23. And in 2 Corinthians 4, 13 and 16, Paul says, since we have the same spirit of faith as he had who wrote, I believed, and so I spoke. We too believe, and so we speak. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer nature is wasting away, our inner nature is being renewed every day. A hope for what we don't yet see. We are to hold unshakably fast to the confession of our hope and to the hope of the gospel. What we hope for is perfect victory and the strength to complete our course. To complete our course means that we become holy, pure, and thoroughly good, growing in wisdom and all virtue to mature manhood so that we are prepared to be raptured when Christ comes. This is our hope if we believe the gospel. It is written that we do not hope for what is seen, neither do we hope for what we already have. That wouldn't make any sense. We hope for what we do not see <clears throat> and for what we have not yet attained. That's that's heaven. That which is still far away, we are fully convinced that as a consequence of the gospel's promises and truths, and as a result of our fulfillment of the conditions, What we hope for will come completely and certainly to this. We must hold unshakably fast. Okay. If we fall in sin, which is very common. So don't have a conniption or freak out if you fall in sin because all have fallen short. Trust me, there's not anyone on this earth who hasn't fallen short of the glory of God. So you're okay. You you have a, you have a chance to get it right. So if we fall in sin, which is very common, especially in the beginning, we must bounce up again and confess our hope. If we don't attempt to explain, if we don't attempt to explain away our sin, but say, 
But now you have fallen, says the adversary, and it hasn't been long since the last um, time you fell. It doesn't make any difference. You say the gospel is true. Okay? A tendency to lose courage. It's easy to understand that if we follow our human tendencies, we will, when we have fallen, lose courage. We have received a ducking, and according to human reasoning, we should be a little discouraged and downcast. Nope, nope, no. But this is completely, completely wrong. Even though I have fallen, God's promises are still true. God's word remains true. Nonetheless, God knew what sort of creatures we were when he called us. He knew very well. He knew that it was easy for us to lose courage and to lose faith. He knew all of his perfect. He knew all of this perfectly well. He also knew that he was mighty to strengthen us in faith. Both God's word and he himself have taken our weaknesses into account. So don't think that God doesn't know that we are all weak enough to fall over and over again. That's why Christ came, that we can have the opportunity to repent of our sins, get back up and start over again. God knows all of that. You think he didn't know from the beginning of time? The Bible says that he knew everything about us from the beginning of time before we even entered into our mother's womb. He knows the very number of hair that's on our head, every single strand is accounted for. So you don't think he he didn't knew, he didn't know, I'm sorry, that you were going to mess up. Oh yeah, on the contrary. He knew all about that, okay? And he still called you to do a good work in this earth and to glorify his kingdom, knowing that you would mess up because guess what? God loves us and he believes in our ability to be to repent and to have faith and to rely on um, the strength of him and his kingdom and the Holy Spirit to be able to get up, dust ourselves back off. God had a plan. Everything was kind of set. Everything is, is set, you know. There's a way out for this, that, that, and that. And um, there's nothing that God isn't aware of that can possibly take place on earth. So relax. God's got this. He's in the driver's seat. In spite of the fact that human... Okay, where was I? I went a little... <laughs> I went a little uh, far over. Let's see. Oh, okay. In spite of the fact that, humanly speaking, it looks like I won't reach the goal, I must nevertheless hold fast to God's word, then I will reach the goal. It is precisely for this reason that the exhortation is given to hold our confession unshakably fast. Exhortations are not given haphazardly. They are not given without reason. What did it say? What was it that we were exhorted to do? To hold unshakably fast the confession of our hope. You should not fail for one second to hold fast to this. You think that um, God would appoint us or or give us a good work to do on this earth or to appoint pastors and leaders if he wasn't confident in our ability to hold fast to our confession of faith even when we mess up and fall. He's the one who created us so he knows what we're capable of doing. He knows we're capable of getting it right. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so let's keep going. Hasn't he chosen that which is base, rejected, wretched, foolish, 
the things which are not and sinners in all their foolishness? Hasn't he chosen such people? Isn't it clearly written God certainly wouldn't choose those kinds of people, such miserable creatures in which to perform such a colossal work if he weren't able to complete it? That would be folly. That would be folly. You think God would choose somebody and um, knowing you think God would knowingly choose somebody uh, knowing that uh, they couldn't complete the work. Nah, it's not how he works. Okay, so you got to hold fast to your confession of your hope. There are two things of importance here. The first is that it is a matter of life and death that I receive a living faith and a living hope that God can do the most wonderful things with me. It's God who works within us. So, of course, God is going to appoint those who uh, mess up and don't get it right and those who fall because he is completely, completely confident in our ability to get it right because he knows it is him himself who's operating through us, through our faith. See what I'm saying? So it all goes back to God being in control in the driver's seat. Okay. All right, where was I? Don't want to lose my place. The first is that it is a matter of life and death that I receive a living faith and a living hope that God can do the most wonderful things with me, even though I am a pathetic wretch. Then after I have laid hold of such a hope and faith, it is a matter of life and death that I should not let it slip again. Not the least little bit, even when I have utterly failed. When a man speaks as if he has attained great things or if people get the impression that great things have been done in him, yet he still repeatedly falls into one sin or another, he has behaved improperly. But if he loses courage when he falls in sin, that is also wrong. He must keep up his courage and make his confession without ceasing. He must hold unshakably fast to it without ceasing. Whether I stand or fall, I hold fast my confession. So whether you mess up or get it right, hold fast your confession of faith. Don't let nobody tell you because you did something wrong that you're, you're, you're out of the game because you're not. I do not confess that things are going so very well, but I do confess that I have the hope that things will go exceedingly well for me. That is perfect, right, biblical, healthy, and good. In everything, we must take God's word as it is and not change it. Hold unshakably fast the confession of your hope, for he is faithful who has called you. He is faithful. He will complete the work, even if it takes a long time to get enough uh, ballast in the boat. He has the entire picture in view and will certainly plan things so that he has enough time to complete the work. Blessed and praise be God. Okay? Blessed and praise be God. So stop beating yourself up, becoming discouraged when you mess up and when you don't get it all right. Because God knew you weren't going to get it right at the first couple of times already. He already knows all of that. So just pick yourself up, dust yourself off and know that it is God who is working within you to do that thing. Because whatever God wants done in the earth is going to be done to glorify his kingdom. Okay, so no matter if you mess up, if he has called you to a great work, that work is going to be performed. Okay, you're just going to have to get get up, dust yourself off, rely on your Holy Spirit. Come on, lead me, guide me, Holy Ghost, and get get on back out there. 
But don't become discouraged. Don't give up. Don't let anybody tell you, well, you're out of the game. You're messed up. You can't do it. Fight. Fight for what you believe in. Defeat Satan. Defeat the enemy. Let him know that I'm in this thing to win this thing because God is working through me and it is by his strength. It is by the power of Christ Jesus shed blood on the cross that I have the mercy and the grace and that I can complete this thing. Okay, we're going to take a small break. Stay tuned. Don't you go anywhere. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was trying to get this podcast off the ground, I had a lot of questions. How do I record an episode? How do I get my show into all the apps people like to listen? How do I make money from my podcast? The answer to every one of these questions is Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now, Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. That means you get paid to podcast right away. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now by reading this ad. I really believe I have something special to share with the world. And Anchor is helping me do that. And I love how easy to use their podcasting tools are. So if you've always wanted to start a podcast, make money doing it, go to Anchor FM Start to join me and the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's Anchor FM Start. I can't wait to hear your podcast. Welcome back. Thank you for staying tuned with me. We're going to move on to our uh, next topic. Why did Eve sin? That's a question everybody wants to know. Why did Eve sin? Uh, uh, It's in the book of Genesis, the second chapter. Um, So we have a great message from Spoken Gospel from the Life Church Open Network. So um, just sit back, relax, listen to the message, and we're going to jump into some scripture from Genesis. Why did Eve sin? We all want to know. Eve was the first person to practice self-salvation. She was the first person on earth who tried to save herself. We are going to take a look at the very beginning of the Bible and the first sin that was ever committed to try to learn why we sin and how we can fight it. For much of my life, I identified Eve's temptation as the root of Eve's sinful action. However, we must look at the whole narrative of Genesis 1-3 to if we are going to understand humanity's first sin. What we will uncover when we do is that trying to save yourself or self-salvation is not only the root cause of the first sin, but of every sin. Let's start with this common question. Why did God give Adam and Eve commands at all when he put them in the garden? Why did he say, do this about some things and do not do that about other things? What will help make sense of these seemingly arbitrary rules to not eat fruit from a certain tree is seeing that the rule itself was a part of a larger agreement called the Edenic Covenant, or more simply, 
the covenant made between God and man in Eden. When God put Adam and Eve in Eden, he established a covenant with them, which is a divine agreement between God and man. And covenants are important because they tell us how we, as small, sinful humans, can be allowed to relate to God, an infinite and perfect spirit. Though the word covenant is not necessarily used in the opening chapters of Genesis, all the expected elements of a biblical covenant are present. The parties are clearly identified, God and Adam. The conditions of the relationship are set. God is the creator commander and Adam is the obedient creature. And if Adam obeys the creator, a blessing is promised, which is life. And if he disobeys, a curse is promised, death. And then finally, the conditions for obedience are set. He is to be fruitful and multiply, have dominion over the earth, and eat of every tree except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I want you to notice, too, that God's command came after he had graciously given Adam and Eve life and the garden and his nearness. Grace came before the rules. God did not have to communicate with his creatures. He didn't have to establish a relationship with humans above all other created beings. He did not have to plant a tree of life in the garden. He did not have to call mankind blessed or very good, but he did. This is a gracious covenant. If Adam and Eve obey God as he has commanded them, they will be granted an eternally blessed life for them and their children. This would be achieved by God allowing them to eat from the fruit of the tree of life. Now, this fruit was not magical, but it was a sign and a guarantee to them that God would sustain their lives in eternal bliss with him. All they had to do was enjoy the garden the way God intended. Enjoying God's goodness in the garden would have kept them from the forbidden tree. Adam and Eve went to the one tree they were not supposed to go to. <laughs> they went there because they thought they could find something in this tree that they couldn't find in the rest of the garden. They stopped enjoying God and his garden. And this caused them to doubt God's provision. It caused them to try to provide for themselves and seek the good apart from God. And this is where sin comes from. When we stop enjoying the grace and the gifts of God, our hearts will seek out anything else to satisfy us. Now we as Christians, we have a new covenant in Christ, and it is better than the covenant of Eden. In fact, the covenant of Eden foreshadowed it. And this new covenant is far better because Jesus kept all the conditions for us. Even though we, like Adam and Eve, broke the commands of God and earned the penalty of death, Jesus has taken that penalty of death that we earned so that we can stay in covenant relationship with God. We went to the tree of knowledge of good and evil and earned death for ourselves. So Jesus went to the cross to die, turning it into our new tree of life. And as we will see as we walk through this study, the surefire way to fall into sin is to forget this good news, to stop reveling in it and enjoying it. If we stop enjoying what God has provided in the garden of the gospel, it is certain that we will run to the forbidden tree of sin. Conversely, the more we rejoice in all the blessings we have in Christ who kept the covenant for us, the more our hearts will be rewired to never want to take a single step toward the tree of knowledge because of how good the fruit tastes from the tree of life.
So why did Eve sin? Well, because she became curious about um, things that she hadn't experienced yet. She wanted to go and experience something new, something that she hadn't already been given by God. See, God provides what we need. And so we have to be careful in life uh, becoming, um, um, as they say, bored with what God has already given us and wanting to venture out and try something new and get something new. You know, what God has for us is for us. And he has promised to bless our lives, you know, um, and when God provides something for you, it is very, very important to be content and to be grateful and thankful for what he has already given you. But going on your own and seeking out more and wanting uh, more than what God has given you can sometimes and most of the times be very, very uh, dangerous for our lives. Uh, Eve was influenced by the enemy to go and seek out more. God said that here's the fruit that you should be eating. And there's only, I only have one thing I don't want you to do. And that's eat of this tree over here. Okay. So the, the, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So don't eat, don't eat over there, you know? And so she still wanted, she, she wanted to know what it tastes like. Well, it looks good. And you know, I got the, this, this enemy here. You know, well, she didn't, of course, she didn't know he was an enemy at the time, but she had the enemy there influencing her and making her feel like, well, yeah, why shouldn't I be able to eat from that tree? It looks delicious for food. You know, it looks just as good as all the rest of the trees. I should be able to taste it. And then she got that whole desire inside of her to go and have some of that tree um, because uh, it was something different. It was something new that she hadn't already uh, been given. So she wanted to test some new waters. Basically, you got to be careful trying to uh, test new waters and and become be be uh, filled and and have your thirst quenched with the waters God has already given you to drink. Okay, let's go to um, Genesis chapter two. We're going to go down to verse eight. The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there He put the man whom He had formed. And out of the ground, the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Now a river went out of Eden to water the garden and from there it parted and become four river heads. The name of the first is, uh, I think that's Pishon. It is the one which skirts the whole land of Havilah. I think I pronounced that right where there is gold and the gold of the land that land is good okay bdellium and the onyx stone are there the name of the second river is gion or gihon it is the one which goes around the whole land of cush the name of the third river is hadekel it is the one uh which goes or hidekel hidekel or hadekel one of the one of the others I have a hard time pronouncing these these different names of things in the Bible. They're very unique. It is the one which goes toward the east of Assyria. The fourth river is the Euphrates. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying of every tree of the garden, you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. 
And the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. So Adam gave names to all cattle, to the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. And the Lord God caused the deep sleep to fall on Adam. And he slept and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord of God had taken, uh, then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a one man and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of a man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Okay, so that gives you some background on how it all began. So now let's go to chapter 3 in Genesis and we're going to start there and we're going to read, um, I think, through to, 24, uh, to verse 24. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field. Yep, here we go with that old serpent. <clears throat> now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord had, God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? You got to watch out for the enemy because the enemy will lie and try to concoct a plan to get you out of right standing with God. Uh, and he said to the woman, has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise. See, see, now she's getting tempted and she's like, ooh, that looks so good. Mm, I want to taste that. Now she's no longer content and happy with what God has given her. She's looking at this other tree over here. She took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her. Now she didn't drug her husband into it. She didn't gave him some. Come on, baby, come on over here and taste some of this good food. Okay, so she uh, she also gave to her husband and he ate with her. Um, then the eyes of both of them were open and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, uh, commanded that you should not eat? So here we go. That's the first sin. That's, that's the first time man and woman um, ever disobeyed God. Then the man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. Woman, what is this have uh, that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. 
So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field on your belly. You shall go and you shall eat dust. Let me tell you something about um, uh, accountability. God will hold you accountable if you cause someone to stumble. So don't think for one second, if you're out there putting out some false doctrine or if you're out there um, telling somebody something wrong or trying to encourage somebody to do something that's going to benefit you that you know definitely is not a godly thing, God will definitely hold you accountable. It says right here in Genesis, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field so this is what the what happened with the serpent because he did influence her now eve is still um um, accountable for what she did because of the fact that she didn't have any business listening to him but see she let her own temptation and her own desires to taste something and try something new get the best of her so she listened to his foolery Okay, so you got to be careful in life listening to other people's foolery and make sure you're not allowing people to get you out of the will of God because you want to be in right standing. You let them go on about their business and wallow in all that filth on their own. Okay, okay, so because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of of the field. On your belly you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your in your conception. In pain, you shall bring forth children. You desire, your desire will be for your husband and he, excuse me, and he shall rule over you. Then to Adam, he said, because you have heeded the voice of your wife. See, see, fellas, be careful. Be careful of listening to every little thing your wife say. I know she's cute. I know she has a pretty smile and I know you love her and you're supposed to love her. But let me tell you something. As leaders of your household, sometimes you have to take a stand and know what's the right thing to do for your family and what's the wrong thing. Sometimes, and I'm speaking as a woman myself, we can get into our little, um, you know, hissy fits and, you know, I want to go on that trip or I want to do this or that. But if you haven't heard it in your spirit to do this or that thing, whatever it is, and you know you've been in prayer and you've talked to God about it and lead your family. That's that that's what I'm trying to say. Lead your family. Although it is a union and you should listen to your wife's suggestions and things like that and hear her out, just know what's right and what's wrong. Know if it's coming from the proper place. Know that if it is going to be a good reflectional choice that you are making as the leader and head of your household. And I hope I said that right, okay? I'm speak. I'm speaking as a woman myself. We can get into our modes sometimes where, oh, you know, I want to do this or I want to do that. And it might not uh, be, be the thing to do at that moment. It might not be the thing God wants us to do, you know? So um, let them lead. Let them lead. I definitely, definitely practice allowing my husband to lead because I know every time I come up with an idea, it might not be the idea that God wants done. So I definitely listen to my husband's guidance. Okay, let's jump on back into the word. Then to Adam, he said, because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat of it, cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the day of your life, both both thorns and thistles, 
it shall bring forth for you and you shall eat the herb of the field in the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground for out of it you were taken for dust you are and to dust you shall return and Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living also for Adam and his wife the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, to know good and evil. And now lest he put out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. So he drove out the man and placed cherubim at the east of the garden of Eden and a flaming sword which turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. So when he placed the cherubim there, he was keeping man out because I believe there was so much more in that garden where he placed the cherubim that Adam and Eve could have uh, uh, so much more fruit they could have ate from and so much more knowledge in that uh, part of the garden that where they could have found out a lot more than just the knowledge of good and evil. So God went ahead and put them cherubims there because he said, I see, I can't trust y'all. I can't trust y'all and, and I ain't about to let y'all uncover not a damn thing, not another thing, <laughs> what I'm trying to say. So let me put some guards up here because I see y'all hard-headed. <laughs> Well, that is going to conclude our message on why Eve sinned. She basically got into temptation. She basically decided she wasn't satisfied with what she had already been given and she wanted to know more about something else. And so she sinned. And that's that. All right, stay tuned. We're going to take a break. Listen to the Podcast Positivity Show on Radio Public. It's free, easy to use, and helps listeners like you find and support shows like mine. When you listen to my show on Radio Public, everyone benefits. How, you ask? Because Radio Public rewards podcasters with the paid listeners rate. And for you, the listener, it's free to listen with no hidden fees or charges or credit card signups needed. Listen on iOS and Android. I want to thank you for fellowshipping with me today and overall jumping into this word of God. It is always a pleasure. If you have any questions or comments or anything you would like to ask or say, uh, just message me on the podcast positivity show uh, message line. I listen to the messages and I will respond. Well, may God pour out his blessings on you until we meet again.